Hi, I'm Josh Fouts. Welcome to another edition of the Science House Foundation podcast series, where we discuss the future of science and mathematics, education, imagination, and global collaboration. Today's guests are Harris Goodman and David Jaffe of Late Night Labs, which is a fascinating new website that offers students and teachers a virtual venue for science experiments. David is the founder and visionary behind Late Night Labs, and along with a deep background in online education and applied science, David brings his own personal passion to Late Night Labs. Prior to founding Late Night Labs, David was the CTO of NetTalk. He has a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering as well as a Master's in Science from Technion University in Biomedical Engineering. Harris leads Late Night Labs' business development and sales efforts. Previously, he was an associate at a Manhattan-based investment bank where he concentrated on digital media. He also serves as VP of Business Development at Keynor Technologies, a semantic web and database platform. Harris holds a Master of Science from Johns Hopkins University in Molecular Biology. David and Harris, welcome to the Science House Foundation podcast series. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having us. I'd like to begin by really the story of the creation of Late Night Lab. This is David. The inspiration for Late Night Labs came from a background that included many years of doing modeling of different scientific processes, including power plant uh, electricity generation, and an interest in thing, everything online, including digital learning, online distance learning. Back in the early days of distance education, it was clear that uh, science courses would not be able to be taught online if there wasn't a laboratory simulation component to go along with it, and that's when I decided to jump in and get started with it. I wonder if the two of you could tell me what Late Night Labs looks like from a user perspective, what it feels like, what the experience is, and, and how people use it. Sure, this is uh, Harris talking. So Late Night Labs is a full-on virtual simulation model uh, whereby we provide schools with the opportunity to take a full curriculum of science education, whether it currently be biology or chemistry. Um, And the environment is almost a 3D immersive environment, uh, bordering on a video game, if you will. And students drag and drop and interact with all the elements in our labs. So we have about 600 different kinds of chemicals and materials, all of which know how to fully interact with each other based upon the technology in the back end. Uh, we have really expensive equipment that most students would never even get exposure to, let alone be able to manipulate and understand how they function. Uh, we have dangerous bacteria, for example, like E. coli or Staphylococcus, and the students learn how to actually interact with all of these kinds of chemicals and equipment in a lifelike situation without any of the dangers, hazards, or costs. What's important from an educational standpoint and also what's uh, really cool is that everything freely interacts appropriately with everything else in the lab so that a student is given instructions how to perform an experiment, but if the student can also make a mistake in following those instructions and then the results are... Uh, generated in accordance with that mistake. So it's a, it's a real situation, it's a real-life situation where the mistakes lead to incorrect uh, results. So how did you decide which experiments to simulate? Well, we started with chemistry uh, for two reasons. One is that the, the opportunity was there. There really wasn't anything 
available uh, to do these kinds of laboratory simulations. The other reason was that it provided us with a, a very um, well-defined mathematical system where you have a collection of chemical compounds and a set of reactions that will occur when you put these compounds together in different circumstances, whether it's in solution or um, or in a heated environment or under pressure. So that was a great way to just get our heads around the whole idea of how do we go ahead and simulate this in a, um, in, a in an environment where anything can happen, basically. What's the curriculum focus primarily in your late-night labs experiments? The initial focus was uh, at the... Um, first years of a college science course. So it, it's an introductory chemistry, it's a general chemistry, an introductory biology. Uh, and that, that also allowed us to lay out a full curriculum. And, and that's something that other providers of laboratory simulations have not done. We are unique in that in that we, when we come out with a topic, uh, a set of labs for a given topic, we plan in advance that that set of labs should cover an entire semester of a course or a, an entire two-semester sequence of that course. And from there, we're, we're branching out to more specific courses in uh, microbiology, uh, forensics, ecology labs, and, and that sort of thing. And physics, of course, is uh, a big interest of ours, and we'll be doing that as well. Exciting. Any, uh, any hints on uh, what, what we'll get to see in the physics experiments? <laughs> well, uh, since we're covering a year-long curriculum, and it should be designed for use both a two-semester sequence at the introductory college level and also at the high school level, uh, an interesting thing that we found is that while the experiments are actually very similar uh, between a high school set and a college set, um, the difference primarily is in what kind of analysis and report generation you're asking the, the two types of students to do according to their uh, capabilities. So we'll have uh, a full set of mechanics uh, labs, a full set of electricity and magnetism labs, and some gravitational uh, experiments as well as optics, and that will give us the full year curriculum. So what's the reaction been so far with, uh, from teachers and students, and uh, especially what were your goals for the, for the use, and what has the feedback been from those, um, those different groups, both the, the student groups and the teacher groups? Yeah, so this is Harris talking. Um, in general, we're really, uh, people are really thrilled with the products that we're offering. Teachers love it because it gives them the opportunity to deliver uh, a virtual lab experience to students anywhere in the world, and their students aren't constrained by time or space or budget. Um, from a teacher, they're also able to customize a lot of our labs, and that empowers a teacher to create content, if you will, um, that they feel is relevant to their students. On the student front, students are really happy with late night labs because they're not stuck in a wet lab for three hours. They're also being engaged in digital media and in an environment, in an online environment, that's really exciting to them and that speaks to them. So in general, the company's been, you know, we've been really happy with the, 
with the um, comments and feedback that we receive from our from our users, both the teachers and the students, and we keep a very strong pulse on those on those people because you know that is our market. That's who we build our products for. And if they're not happy, then then we're not doing a good job. Has there been any pushback from teachers who believe that they should only and always be teaching uh, in, in the physical space? Yeah, I mean, you, you do get pushback from schools, especially schools that have large budgets for wet labs, where they feel that the virtual lab is a knockoff approach and a, uh, a lacking from a pedagogical perspective of an experience of a science education. Um, the reality is, is that there's a very strong use to be able to use our labs in a, in a school that has a full budget for wet labs for their students. Uh, and we are actually being adopted at a very rapid pace. And the purpose is actually for pre-lab and post-lab work. So even if a school has a huge budget to allow students to have a, a full wet lab experience, those experiences are limited in terms of scope and repetitive learning. So to give students the opportunity to conduct an experiment multiple times prior to the experiment or post-facto, you're really engaging a student and enabling them to get a full grasp of the processes and, and what they're actually going to be doing before and after they get to the lab. Have you done any kind of outreach to lower-income schools or schools that don't have the budget for their own wet labs, and how has the software, if so, been received by them? Yeah, so that's really the majority um, right now of our, of our student base, our schools that have those constraints whereby they, they don't have the space or they don't have the budget to allow for a wet lab either at all, so they have zero wet labs, like you're saying, or they, they have wet labs, but they're really, really basic and very limited in terms of the scope and operation. Uh, and that's really where we come in place uh, in a very strong way because we can effectively deliver the content that's needed and required for those students. And it's not just at the basic level. It's at a very high level and it's at a very engaging level for the students. I'd like to make a point about differentiating between the science majors and the rest of the student body that is taking a science course as part of their general education requirements for general enrichment or, or interest rather than uh, for their future profession. It, it, it goes back even to uh, pushback from the college professors who wouldn't want their their own students, their own chemistry students, or their own uh, bio uh, microbiology students to um, to do a virtual lab when they could be in a, a physical wet lab, um, and and that's where their their pushback comes from because they're focus is often primarily on what they call their own students, their own, you know, within their department. But when it comes to the rest of the student population, um, the goal of having them take a general chemistry course or a general biology course or geology or whatever it is, is to engage them in thinking like scientists, in understanding what the science, what the scientific process is and what science, scientists do in the workplace and, and make them you know, better citizens of the world because of that. And these students don't need to know how to manipulate the glassware or instruments that they, that you encounter in the wet lab. They need to understand how experiments work and, and what you do with the results of the experiments. And for that, the virtual labs are excellent um, 
substitutes for the wet lab. In some cases, they even they're better because you take away a lot of the cognitive dissonance of, of being in the wet lab and having to worry about many things other than the actual experiment itself and what it means while you're doing it. So for those students, uh, the, the virtual lab is very appropriate and and all professors across all kinds of uh, institutions will agree with that. So now I'd like to look in the field of science education, where you see yourself in the marketplace, where is late-night labs in the, in the universe of online science education? For example, do you see late-night labs as a competitor to the Khan Academy videos or as a complement, or where does it fit in that uh, overall cosmology? Today, it's a perfect complement to the Khan Academy videos um, where uh, a student can learn the theory and then can go to a lab and put it into practice. So what are the long-term goals for late-night labs? Where do you see it going, say, five to ten years from now? In five to ten years, most likely the company, our hope for the company will be to be able to deliver all of STEM education in a immersive and experiential process the way that we've started to build out now. The idea is really to create a platform where teachers and students can create their own labs through our tools so that they can interact in a virtual world that's free of limitations that the real world has and allow students to explore and inquire in an environment that's safe and that's unlimited of uh, the constraints that our real world faces. Another thing we're doing is involving the teacher in the creation and management of the laboratory experiments where we're encouraging them to upload all sorts of media into a portfolio that is part of the uh, lab, lab manual that's presented to the students and for the students to be able to upload their own information and, and images and video clips and so on. So it, it moves beyond just a laboratory simulation to a place where you're experimenting but also tying in information from all over all across the internet. That gets me thinking about the technology a little bit. Tell us a little bit about the underlying technology that runs uh, Late Night Labs and the long-term sort of technological evolutionary plans of it, if you will. Today the technology we use is Adobe's Flash platform for the user interface, the user experience it is uh, Flash Movies. Underneath it is a set of mathematical engines that are currently written in Adobe's ActionScript uh, underneath the hood of, of the Flash movies. Uh, that, that engine actually was ported from a different platform and can be ported onward to new platforms as the technology space evolves, especially uh, around the tablet uh, industry. Um, your point about the 3D engines is, is very interesting. It's certainly what uh, the student population has come to expect, and we may decide that that's where we should be going. But again, it's that would be strictly for the presentation layer, and underneath it would be our own secret sauce of, of uh, algorithms and formulas that would be running the behaviors of everything. 
So do you have any plans for a mobile version? Absolutely have plans for a mobile version. And um, you have to keep in mind that with the advent of apps, things have been modularized and kind of condensed into very specific pieces that can be presented. Um, so you don't have an entire... Um, it's not obvious that the entire laboratory would be ported as a single app to the, uh, to the tablet environment um, or an iPad app, and it could be that what we'll be doing is breaking things into modular pieces that can be delivered um, as desired by the student or the teacher. Are you uh, planning on expanding into, say, multiple languages or going into other countries? We've already expanded into multiple languages. We have our platform running in Spanish at the push of a button. Uh, it's been designed from the beginning to be uh, internationalized with any language that you want to just plug in. Uh, that includes the interface as well as the labs themselves. And yes, we are very interested in making it available around the world in multiple languages. Is Late Night Labs a, uh, what, uh, is it a startup that's funded by capital? And if so, are you planning to raise more capital or are you, is the business sustaining off of the revenue generated from sales of the, of the product? Yes, so this is Harris. Um, the company actually just recently closed a, a round of financing uh, that we believe will take us into a uh, positive cash flow phase. Uh, until now, the company has been generating healthy revenue streams, uh, sustaining itself in its own right, because we have, uh, I mean, literally tens of thousands of students already using the product in the U.S. and Canada. Uh, the reason why we raised some additional funds was to move faster, take on more courses and products, and build a uh, more advanced team in terms of what we have the capabilities both technologically to perform as well as from a content perspective to perform. Um, so the company has been healthy and continues to go in that fashion. Well, this is great. I've really enjoyed talking to both of you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule uh, to join the Science House Foundation podcast, and congratulations on the continued success of Late Night Labs, and, and really thanks to both of you for giving us insight into what a progressive and, and innovative platform like this uh, looks like and works, and uh, best of luck. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having us.